Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. With me in your Bibles, I've got a really great, great word. It was, um, I preached, in fact, I'm going to preach part two. I preached part one of a message called Mind Sight. Mindsight uh, two weeks ago at our El Cajon, El Cajun campus. And uh, yeah, it's, there's just something on this that I'm just feeling in God that I want to bring to you today from, from the Word. So the title is of my message is Mindsight, but it's Mindsight Part 2. So it's not Mindset, even though it involves a mindset. The Bible says set your minds, which means your mind can be set. The problem is the older we get, just like concrete, it gets set and it gets harder and harder to, to reset. But when you come into the power of God, when you come into the church, into the house of God, with God, nothing will be impossible. So you can find that in this, in this house, in this environment, God can reset things that you may have had your, your mindset on life never works out for me. It always works for everybody else. Life is full of disappointments. You know, life's, life's not great. And then you die. Like we, we have all these mindsets. But when we come in, the Bible says we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. So I want to read two scriptures and then we're going to jump into it. Excuse me. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 14 says, But their minds were blinded. For until this, uh, until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. Now, the context there is about Moses who, when he went up to, to get the, the Torah, when he get, went up to get the Ten Commandments, right. st stood in the presence of God for 40 days, 40 nights, ate nothing, yeah. ate nothing. Why would he eat and drink nothing? It's impossible for you to live. Well, he's standing in the presence of God yeah. where well, we don't need physical things the presence of God is life. It is life sustaining. All life flows from the presence of God. That's why he didn't have to eat or drink any water for 40 days because he was in the presence of life, sustaining life. But as he came down, he didn't realize this, but his face was glowing. His face is glowing. And so, and so, so that the people wouldn't stumble into idolatry and start worshiping him, he had to wear a veil over his face. And, uh, and so Paul here is writing about the, the, the Israelites who did not see the Messiah. Right. It, it, it never ceased to amaze me. We, we go to Israel and we have uh, Jewish tour guides who have to memorize passages of the New Testament who take us and they'll quote, this is John and you know, this is Luke and the Apostle Paul was here down in Joppa and you know and, and so they'll 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 quote the scriptures but they can't see that Christ is the Messiah. It's like there's a veil. We were just in Rome and we had a, a Jewish tour guide and uh, he took us to one of his friends who has the Aleph Beit, which is the the Hebrew alphabet, and uh, he has all you know and he's just fascinated. Well, he was trying to explain to us how the uh, the Jews now believe that in the beginning God created 
before he created the heavens and the earth, that God created the Hebrew alphabet and that the, the, that the alphabet holds everything together. Just like we know that water can be spelled W-A-T-E-R, it can also be spelled H2O because it has two hydrogen molecules and one oxygen molecule. We know that that's water. That's the Hebrew language. The Hebrew language, the, the, the letters represent, each letter is, is so precise and so significant in what it, what it uh, represents. But as we began to push and say, actually, John 1.1 says that in the beginning was the Word. It wasn't created. The Word was in the beginning with God. In fact, the Word was God. And at that, he kind of shut up shop and said, okay, we'll have no more, no more questions because you've actually caught me. And so, so but they, they can't see. They can't see there's a veil. So just skip down to the next chapter, uh, 2, 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4 says, whose minds the God of this age has blinded who do not believe lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them, should shine on them. So Paul there says that the, the light is the gospel of Christ. When people come into the gospel of Christ, the, our darkened minds, the Bible talks about the blinded minds that Satan blinds the minds of them that don't believe. When you come to Christ, all of a sudden the lights come on. We know this from you know, probably the most famous hymn, Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found was blind, but now I see. So the title of this message today is Mind Sight. So point number one is that all of us need a heavenly reset, a heavenly reset when it comes to the way that we see, a heavenly reset. What a heavenly reset means is that that you... The first area is that you see you the way that God sees you. That you see you the way that God sees you. When Jesus taught the disciples to pray, he says, when you pray, say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You, I, I'm going to say this. It, it's, it's almost impossible. It's near impossible for you to fulfill his will on earth as it is in heaven if you don't see yourself as heaven sees you the reason the devil has has so targeted this emerging generation with such gender dysphoria gender confusion identity confusion is really what it is you know we 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 think because it's we think because the, the manifestation is in gender it's not in gender it's in identity because the, 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 the devil knows that a generation that sees itself as heaven sees them is a generation that can, they will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The devil knows while he's got you believing things that aren't true, believing, seeing things about you that are not right in the area of your identity, he's got you messed up. In, in, in Judges chapter 6, the angel of the Lord <coughs> appears uh, to, to Gideon, in fact, he comes and sits under a terebinth tree, uh, Judges 6, 11. Angel of the Lord comes and sits under a terebinth tree, which belongs to Joash the Bezerah, while his son Gideon is threshing wheat in a winepress. And the angel of the Lord says to him, Gideon, you mighty man of valor, the Lord is with you. Gideon responds, oh, my Lord, you know, if the Lord is with us, then where are all these miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and has delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. And then I love the angel, just completely ignores 
the, the wine. And he says, go in this might of yours. And you shall save Israel from the hand of Midian. I, I, all I saw was a, was a piping off and a complaining. But the angel saw something different. He says, I, I see strength in you. Go in this might of yours and you're going to save Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? Gideon comes back a second time and says, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest clan in, in all of our, our tribe. You know, our, I'm the least in my father's house, the least in my family. Yeah. Isn't it interesting that Gideon sees himself as a victim, yeah. whereas the angel sees him as a victor? And it wasn't, it wasn't until Gideon began to make the leap to hyperspace, sorry, sorry, make the transition. It wasn't until Gideon began to align his identity up with the words of heaven. The reason that we are in a, a crazy time with people, young people and identity is because the devil was so crafty to convince us as Christians that we shouldn't be ramming our religion down people's throats and we should just we should just let people make up their own mind. Like, you know, I'm not going to force my beliefs on my, on my children. Wow, really? You don't believe that the belief precedes action? Thoughts shape your beliefs. Beliefs shape your actions. Actions shape your habits. Habits determine your destiny. What the heck? When do we stop believing? So the devil was crafty. He got this out of our schools. As soon as he got the light out of the schools, he could now come in and blind minds, knowing that there was no antidote. There was no light going on to expose these lies. So no wonder we have a generation that believes lies about their, their, their identity, that believes lies about their identity and then therefore their destiny. It wasn't until Gideon has an encounter with a messenger from heaven who says, Gideon, you got to change your mind sight the way you see yourself is broken. The way you see yourself is not how heaven sees you. Can I just tell you, God is not a man that he should lie. God is not a man that he should lie. The greatest thing that can happen, the greatest threat to the devil is you begin to align your thoughts up with his thoughts. That you begin to align your life with what heaven says about you. Not what your feelings say, not what your emotions say, not even what other people say. Jesus said, who do the crowds, who do men say that I am? And they said, well, you know, some say you're Elijah. Some say you're John the Baptist or Jeremiah. He says, well, who do you say? And Peter's like, oh, oh, pick me, pick me. I, I, I got this one. He says, go ahead, Simon. He says, you're the Christ, son of the living God. And this is what Jesus said. He says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood hath not revealed this. Why would he say that? Because he knows flesh and blood cannot reveal this. He says, but my father in heaven has revealed this to you because all identity comes from an alignment with what heaven says about you. My, my biggest battle, my biggest battle was aligning myself with, with what God said because I'd been told I was an accident. I was told I was no good. I was told I was a disappointment. My father, who was a very broken man, 
had no idea how to love a son because he was never loved as a son. He had no idea how to father and nurture and encourage and exhort because he was never really fathered, encouraged, nurtured and exhorted. And so it was a generational cycle that was on me. So when I came into the kingdom, I came in, I was born again, but I was broken. I was born again and my mind had so many blind spots that I saw myself based on all the words that have been spoken over based on, and if I was honest with you, all the words that were spoken were confirmed by failing here, falling down there, an accident over here, a mess up over there, all of those things confirmed, yes, surely my father is right. I am no good. I am an accident. I am less than because my life, and then I began to read the word of God. And this is what God did to me. When I was in Bible college, he began to give me scriptures that he asked me to write out. So I'd write out the scriptures and I had to put them on the wall where my my bed was in my dorm. I had to put them on the wall, had to put them on the mirror. And it was really awkward. And I felt the Holy Spirit say morning and evening, morning and evening. There's there's a recipe, there's a formula there. The Bible says in Psalm 1, the very first Psalm that encapsulates all 150 Psalms. It says, blessed is the man, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor does he stand in the path of sinners, nor does he sit in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night, day and night. God says to Joshua, Joshua, be strong and courageous. Do not let this word depart from my mouth, but meditate in it day and night or morning and evening. It's very interesting that Goliath comes out to present himself piping off morning and evening. The battle is for your first thought in the morning and your last thought in the evening. And so God God said, listen, I've, I've called you out of engineering into Bible school and you, you're going to get a whole lot of, you're going to get a head full of knowledge, but it's going to flow out of broken within. You have to let me heal what is broken within. So I need you. And I, if I was honest with you, I felt awkward. I remember standing in front of the mirror, looking myself in the eye. And John G. Lake used to do this. And he's one of my heroes. John G. Lake used to put on his best suit. He used to stand in front of the mirror and say, uh, the man in that suit is a man of God. Where that suit goes, God goes. Because that man is a man of God. And I thought, man, what a weird. But he had most incredible miracles. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, well, I want to kind of step into, into that realm. But So God gave me scriptures. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I am the head, not the tail above only. Not, and I begin to quote this. And as I was saying, if I was honest with you, I felt like an idiot. I'm like, I hope no one's watching. I hope no one's listening. And one day, exasperated, I said to God, God, how long? How long do I have to do this? Like every morning and every evening. Like, how come you're not giving other students homework? How come I get all this? And he's like, well, because you're pretty jacked up. He didn't say that. He just said, this is what he said to me. I said, how long do I have to do this? He said, till you believe it. Till you believe it. Till my word is not just an ethereal concept, but until my word is a life-giving precept. On the inside of you. If you went to an optometrist, the optometrist studies your eyes. If you ask the optometrist, um, do I see with the eye? If they tell you yes, they're lying to you. What's he talking about? Of course, if I don't have eyes, I can't see. What's he talking about? Eh. No, no, you don't see with the eye. Science now tells us we see through the eye. You don't see with the eye, you see through the eye. 
Two people can look at exactly the same thing. One sees a cup half empty, the other sees a cup half full. It has nothing to do with seeing with the eye. It has everything to do with what's happening on the inside. What's happening on the inside, we see through the eye. I have a, I have a problem with, with the theology that, 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 that teaches that you, you are so, oh, oh, you are, you are just dirt. You are just dust. How di- you are so depraved. You are, you, you're lucky that God felt like, but instead he, you know, reluctantly. And now the Bible does say that God fashioned Adam from the dust. The Bible does say that, but the Bible also says that God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness and let them have dominion. So while it's true that you and I are fashioned from the dust, it is also true that God did not fail. When he created you, he created you to be an image bearer and a likeness bearer of Elohim, of God in, in heaven. That you, 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 you bear intrinsic value that does not discount the fact that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, that we need a savior. But, but, I, but, I, but it's a demonic theology that tries to reduce man to you're just pathetic, you're just dust. Don't even lift your head in, pray, in prayer as if God's going to listen to you. And it's, it's, disqual- it's bad theology. You are created in the image and the likeness of God. And I know this is meant to be a movie series, so Simba, Mufasa. Simba. That's the story. Number two, number two is what I call a heavenly renewal. We need a heavenly renewal. Neuroscience, neuroscience now uh, has discovered that the left hemisphere and the right hemisphere of the brain uh, operate on, on two. One, one is the creative and the other one is, is very much the methodical, the cognitive. People who are, who are great at math, uh, you know, right brain people who are artistic and innovative, color outside the lines, entrepreneurial, operating left brain. Neuroscience has now discovered that, that for, for about the first 40 years of a human, human being's life, you will live out of the imagination center, the imagination center of the brain. We see this with little children where little children, they, they, they are so creative that they, they dream. If you ask a three-year-old what they want to be, they, 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 they don't know that they can't be something. Nobody's yet told them you can't be an astronaut. You can't walk on the moon. You can't fly a spaceship. You can't save the world. They, they just believe that they can. They, they put little, little they, they'll get a, a, a clothes peg and a towel and put it on and they're Superman. And they're running around and they're beating up bad guys because they, they're dreaming. They're dreaming. I remember my, my little Zoe, when she was little, would, would put on, we'd watch all the, the, the Disney princess movies, and she had every single, you know, Snow White, Cinderella. She had all, all, the, all the outfits. And, and she loved at the end where, you know, Cinderella, the, the wicked stepmother and the naughty sisters, you know, get their comeuppance, and, but she marries the prince. And, and, and so I would pick her up and twirl with her and, and uh, she loved the little moment. I can show you the world, shining, shimmering, splendor. Tell me, yes, princess, now right. when did you? And, and she, lo- she loved it, and I put it down. And she'd go, Daddy, Daddy, marry me again. Marry me again. 
She, she, she loved it. She, if you asked her what she was at three, she said she was a princess. She was a princess. But, but this is important because the, 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 the iPhone would not be physically in our hand if somebody hadn't operated in the realm of the imagination, in the imagination center. All advancement operates in this realm. In fact, I would even say to you that probably nine times out of ten, God either is speaking to me in the imagination center or he's confirming words in, in this area. The Bible says, and God warned Joseph in a dream and the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. It's the dream center. It's the imagination center where, where God confirms words or God deposits words. So they say for the first 40 years you live in the imagination center, the last 40 years you live in the memory center. If you ever, ever talk to, you sit down with, with it, you know, I remember back when I was as young as you. Oh, we didn't have automobiles back then. We had to get everywhere by horseback. And I remember one of my horses threw a shoe and, you know, it wasn't. And, and they, 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 live, they, they live out of the memory center. Well, over the last, over the last two decades, the, the same neuroscientists have noticed that they've noticed that there's been uh, there's been a, a breach that something ha has created an anomaly where instead of people living the first 40 years out of the imagination center, dreaming, entrepreneuring, creating innovating, inventing ideas. Instead of that, it's gone 30, 20, even some people just a few years. And they say that the, the, the biggest thing is the, when people go through trauma, when people go through PTSD. Now, what's interesting is Dr. Sigmund Freud, who was a pervert, let me just be clear. He stumbled into a, a psychological truth, but he was a, he was a reprobate just to be clear. And, uh, but he, he discovered that, that, that most people live on a conscious level out of a predisposition in their subconscious level. So he, most of his psychotherapy was around dealing with childhood trauma. Because he was Austrian German, um, the word trauma comes from, Jürgen comes from the word Traum. Traum is the German word for dream. We have a generation that, that is experiencing the highest divorce rate, the highest drug addiction, the highest opioid crisis, the highest fentanyl deaths. What happens when people experience trauma, it's interesting that it's trauma where we get the word traum, where we get the word dream, because what it's designed to do is to hijack wow. through PTSD, yes. the imagination center, to yeah. shut that down so that people in their 17, 18, 19, 20th yeah. year are already living in memory, but the mem because the memory is so dominant, it's a negative memory of when mom and dad divorced or of domestic violence or of sexual abuse or of some bullying in high school that, that wow. so many of our young people People are already, they've had their imagination center hijacked. That's why Joel 2.28, God says, In the last days I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. In other words, they'll see into the future again with hope. He says, Your young men will see visions and your old men will 
dream dreams. Isn't that interesting? It's, it's not accidental language. It's intentional language that God says that when my spirit pours out, I will once again awaken what the devil has stolen, what the devil has broken down, what the devil has has removed, that, that old men will dream again, that there'll be a return, a revisiting back to the imagination center. The day you stop dreaming is a horrible day. You ought to keep dreaming. God comes to, to Abraham and Abraham is in his 90s and Abraham is complaining about the pain and the loss of no no pregnancy no pregnancy no pregnancy no pregnancy and then his wife goes into menopause and it feels like there's no eggs left it's it's over it's over and God comes to him and says what's wrong with you and he says well you haven't given me a son and God takes him outside and God says look up and begin to count the stars Abraham if you are able because more will your descendants be than the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore God gave him a dream God God reawakened the imagination center saying Abraham it's not about Sarah's womb it's about what's in your mind sight I need you to dream. I need you to imagine again. What, what do you see when you close your eyes? What do you see? What do you believe? You know, uh, when, when, uh, when, when we lived in New Zealand, when we lived in New Zealand, this is, this is so important. Um, one, one of my youth leaders, he was uh, doing an MBA in accounting. And uh, we, we, we lived in a pretty kind of ghetto area. Uh, Monaco City had the second highest crime to Johannesburg, South Africa at that time in the Southern Hemisphere and uh, crime, violence, you know, break-ins. I, I even had one of my most faithful kids dropping always, you know, significant offerings in. And then, then he told me that, you know, because someone caught him, actually, someone caught him in the mall uh, removing car stereos. And that's now I understood why he was... <laughs> So that, that was, and so they, 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 they were planting, they were planting a, a Barker's menswear store in, in, in our mall. And uh, this, this was amazing because, you know, this is going to sh- show my age, but Barker's in New Zealand was the equivalent of Country Road in the 90s. So Country Road in America used to be like, it was like, you know, the, it was like high end back then. I'm not sure what the equivalent is now, Nordstrom, I don't know, whatever. But yeah, so, so Barker's and it was, it was a high end and he was, and my, my, my youth leader, Daniel, who was doing an MBA in accounting said, you know, wow, craziest thing happened. The, the, the new owner of the store has not been able to hire a manager. He's not been able to fire a, find a manager for three months. The, the store has been struggling because he's got staff. But because he owns multiple stores, he has not been able to find a manager in that, that, to manage that store. So he hired a consultant, and the consultant came in and had a look at, at everything. And, and, you know, this is, this is going back to, to the mid-90s and looked salary $60,000 a year, which may not sound like a lot today, but it was a lot back then, $60,000 a year. And, the, you know, it was a, it was a 40-hour work week plus and uh, it required, you know, a, a degree in uh, management and retail and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, these were the requirements. And so the, the, the consultant said to the owner, oh, it's very, very simple. I can, I can fix your problem. And, uh, and he says, how, how, how can you do that? He says, well, um, your salary. 
And the owner says, listen, I've had three months of loss. We're taking a risk being in a low socioeconomic area. We don't even know if, the, you know, our clothes will sell here because they're quite expensive. And we, we've studied the median uh, uh, income of, of the people. I, I can't afford to, to lift the salary above 60000 He says, oh, no, no, I'm not asking you to lift it above 60000 I'm asking you to drop it from 60000 down to 35000 he says, oh, no, 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 sorry, I, I mustn't explain myself. I, I, I need someone full time. It, it, you know, they've got to work at least 40 hours plus a week. He says, no, 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 you don't change the hours. He says, well, no, no, well, hang on. Um, no, no, I, I need somebody who actually has a degree in retail, in management, in store management, in office. Like, I, I need somebody that has, he says, oh, no, don't change the qualifications. He goes, just lower the salary. He's like, hang on. I've been advertising for three months, $60,000, 40 hours a week. These are the requirements. These are the, the, these, these are the list of qualifications required. You're saying that keep the list of requirements, keep the qualifications, just lower the salary? And he says, yes, lower the salary. And the, the, the owner of the store says, How, how's that going to work? He says, you're dealing with Manukau City. He says, this is a low socioeconomic area. People have grown up in poverty. They've grown up in this area. When they see $60,000, they immediately disqualify themselves and say, there's no point me even putting in, there's no point me even submitting my application because I'm not sure if I'm worth $60,000. Someone more qualified, somebody better than me is going to apply. He says, but if you lower that to $35,000, people say, well, I'm worth 35. I feel like I deserve, I, I, I feel for all those hours and all those, yeah, I should get 35. He had over 127 applications, more than a dozen, more than a dozen were suitable and he got himself a manager. So what does that tell me? That tells me that how you see yourself is unbelievably important. How you see yourself, how you see yourself in your mind sight. When you look into the mirror and your reflection is looking back at you, the thoughts that go through your head is a narrative and a script that is setting the ceiling or setting the projection of your life. That's why when you come into this house, we'll preach to you this word to tell you that God's hand is on you. God's favor is towards you. And it's not based on your behavior. It's, behave it's based on your believing. But here's the thing. Believing always shapes behavior. Believing always shapes behavior. You can't behave your way into believing, but you can believe your way into behaving. It's very interesting because the, the, the devil wants to hijack the imagination center. And the way that he does this, the way that he does this is if it's not pornography getting you to fill your mind with dark thoughts, lustful, self-serving thoughts, it's, it's phobias and fears, it's, it's, it's anxieties, it's insecurities, it's brokenness. The, the, the devil wants to... He, if he can't shut it down, he'll hijack it. That's why I love when we come into the house of God and we have worship. And as we begin to worship, we come into an atmosphere that is holy. And we can begin, it's very easy in an atmosphere that's holy to, oh my gosh, that's whole, that's unclean. That's stupid. Man, that's self-depreciating. That's defeating. Man, I can't believe I was thinking. 
the, the, thank God for the Word of God. Thank God for the Word of God. Let me tell you something. Every time you walk into an awakened service, we will make sure that we preach the Word so that it awakens God's potential, God's goodness, God's power, God's purpose, God's truth to illuminate the inside so that you get your mind to sight back and somebody say amen. amen. The third one, because I saw the... <laughs> I always feel like he's not doing this. I always feel like he's. I know, I know he's. But it's like. Number three is mindsight is a heavenly realization. The Bible says that light comes through the word. Psalm 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The word of God, it, it will light and illuminate. I got saved on a beach. I was a mess on legs. And somebody gave me a Bible. And I got to tell you today, it's this Bible. The biggest battle that we all face is the battle of believing. Yeah. Jesus said to Martha, Martha is grieving over the loss of her brother Lazarus. He's been dead four days and Jesus says, roll away the stone. And, and Martha grabs Jesus. No, 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 please. No, no, no. It's like Bressy Ranch. There's no air conditioning. There's no ventilation. No one's in there fanning his body. She says, by now there's a great stench. He's been decomposing for four days. Jesus turns to Martha and says, Martha, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Did I not say that if you would believe, you would see? How can we fulfill the works of God? Believe in the one that God has sent. Whatsoever things you ask for, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. The greatest battle is not in the asking. The greatest battle is in the believing. It's in the believing. And the believing comes when the Word of God says this about you, but your whole life experience has said that. The, the, greatest, the, the greatest battle is lining up with this. Why, why, why do we not do church services per se as our focus? Why do we believe that church begins when the service finishes? Why, because we, we, we are a discipleship church. What does discipleship church mean? It means that we're trying to get you to believe this. Can I just tell you in 37 years of following Jesus, every time my, my flesh and my mind aligned with my disqualifications and my dysfunctions from the past. And yet the Word of God said this about me. I just threw caution to the wind. I, was, I thought I was abandoned by my, my, my daddy when I went to Bible school. I've got one father, my heavenly father. I'm going to trust him. So just threw caution to the wind says, all right, God, as uncomfortable as he is, I'm going to choose to believe you. I got to tell you, when you come into that place, the power that is released, every word of God carries power. Every word of God releases power. When you begin to believe what this says about you, your life will take off. Your life will never be the same again. In Joshua 6, in Joshua 6 verse 1 and 2, the Bible says that the Jericho was tightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None came out, none came in. So Jericho was this, this, this compound, this fortress. 
And Joshua is standing with the Lord. The angel of the Lord has just appeared to him at the end of chapter 5. And, and has his sword drawn. And Joshua's like, man, shoot, like, do I have to fight you too? Like, are you on our side or on their side? And the angel of the Lord says, neither. But as the angel of the Lord of heaven's armies, I've come. He's like, oh, okay. It's not whether God's on our side, it's whether we're on God's side because God is always right. And so this, this, now, this angel of the Lord now says to him, Joshua, see, I've given Jericho into your hand. Leaders have to see. What Joshua sees is 40 years of construction. The finest engineers and architects and construction workers of their time had created a citadel. Bible scholars say the chariots could race around on top. The the walls were so secure they put apartments in, in the walls. That's where Rahab was living. And it looks impossible. But God said to, to, to Joshua, He says, I need you to see. I need you to, I need you, Joshua, to have mind sight. I need you to move into the realm of the imagination center. I need you to move into the God realm. And I need you to see the impossible as possible. See, I have given Jericho into your hand. It's king and it's mighty men of valor. Watch this. You cannot conquer anything you do not know God has given you authority over. You will never conquer. You will never conquer something that you do not see God has given you authority over. While you see that addiction, while you see gambling, alcohol, drugs, pornography, while you see those things as having a power over you, you will be gripped by it. But when you come to the place where you see that God has given you authority over those things, that those things are beneath your feet, you'll begin to conquer and take territory. In Ecclesiastes 4, 5, I I hope I gave him that scripture. I can't remember now. Um, It talks about, Solomon talks about hands that fold and it leads to poverty. And we know that it's kind of repeated in in Proverbs. Many years ago, God said to me, God said to me, what's what's in your hand that I can bless? When, when, When Jacob served Laban, Laban said this to Jacob. He says, I know the Lord has blessed me because of you. The blessing of God was not on Laban. The blessing of God was on Jacob because God respects authority. When Jacob came and submitted himself under Laban, Laban was blessed not because Laban was righteous, not because Laban honoured God. Laban was blessed because of the blessing that was on Jacob. When Joseph went to Egypt, Potiphar saw that the Lord was with him and that everything under Joseph's hand prospered. So smart guy, he moves all the chips under the Joseph. The Bible says he puts Joseph in charge of everything because he saw that the Lord was with Joseph and caused everything to prosper. 
Potiphar's house flourished because of the blessing that was on Joseph. Everywhere I, I went, the church would explode. Everywhere I went as a, as a youth pastor and a youth leader, the church would take off and explode. But I was like Jacob and I was like Joseph, kind of given like a, a meager salary. And one day I was complaining because Liam was pregnant with baby number three. And at that time we were earning more than we'd ever earn. I think our salary was about forty or $45,000 a year. But they did a study where we lived on the northern beaches. You needed $100,000 a year just to, just to live on the northern beaches. And so I'm having this, this rhetoric with God. And that's when this revelation, this is where God showed me. And He said, you can just put something in your hand I can bless. So that's when I wrote my first book, Walk on Water. And, and literally the week it came out, I got invited to speak at, at Planet Shakers. They had uh, 22,000 young people in an arena and I sold some, something like uh, 1,200 books at $20 a book. I'd never seen a check that big. And God began to show me that while you're under somebody, the blessing on you, they will benefit. You've got to have something in your hand. Let, let, let me finish with this. Is this helping anybody? It's called Mindsight. Mindsight, how you see yourself. When we lived in New Zealand, uh, we got the opportunity to to do uh, to do like this this working bee project on a Saturday for the son of one of Auckland's biggest developers, and in exchange for for clearing, he just bought this this property right on St Helier's Bay. You could see like uh, Brown Island, uh, Green Island, excuse me, uh, in the the uh, Waitamata Harbour, the Hiraki Gulf. You could see. Um, all the way up to Great Barrier Island, Waiheke Island. You could see it all. And just stunning property, but, it was, you know, it was overgrown ivy and there was, you know, junk and car motors and engines and stuff. And so he wanted the land cleared. So we got there in exchange for $10,000, which meant that I could put a, uh, a junior high leader on for two days a week. So I thought, we'll do that, $10,000 for one day's work. You know, so we rallied our whole youth group and we went there and we're, ripping stuff out and cleaning. Anyway, at noon, uh, the, the project manager came to me and said, oh, listen, the boss's son is going to be here. He just wants to shake your hand and thank you. And, you know, and I'm in my you know little workout clothes, shorts, and my hands are kind of filthy from, you know, kind of cut and bloodied and dirt in there and everything. And then he pulls up in this seven-seater or seven-series BMW. And so windows were tinted, so I kind of walk up with the project manager and I'm standing because in... in New Zealand, Australia, they drive on. Anyway, and so, so I'm standing there waiting for the window to wind down and then the back window winds down and I realise he's got a driver. And he gets out of the car and just, you know, his, his shoes and his suit was equivalent to about three months' wages of mine. And then I looked and I find out that we were both 28. We are both the same age. But here I am in my scrappy little shorts and everything and here he is in this power suit. I said, oh, you know, congratulations. What a beautiful property. What a stunning property. I said, you know, the views, you know, through through the sliding door and through the kitchen window. He said, oh, thank you. I just want to say thank you for, you know, doing all this work. And we would really appreciate it. I said, well, you're going to enjoy this house. He goes, oh, no, no, I'm knocking it down. I said, what? He goes, we're, we're going to knock the entire house down. We're going to, going to build another one. Vanishing Edge Pool right on the cliff. And 
stunning views and you know kind of thanked a few of them and then he got in the car and he left so I said to the, the manager afterwards I said we, we just bought our first home for $108,000 I said how much did he get, get this one for he said oh, he just bought it for eight fifty. I said he's going to knock it dead he spent almost eight times as much and he's going to knock it he's going to knock it down I said well, well he probably spent another 800 grand which again back then mid 90s a lot of money he's going to knock it down and build, you know, all glass and balcony and vanishing edge pool, you know, in this. So I said, man, he'll be in the whole 1.65 million. He says, yeah, yeah. I said, what will it be worth when it's finished? He said, oh, when it's finished, it'll probably be worth three and a half to five million. 3.5 to five million. The next day I'm driving for a surf on the Coromandel Coast and I've got the Bible on cassette in. And God, God's word has a way of triggering you. If you get triggered, that's not an alarm. That's actually a good thing. You're in the right house. So I'm listening to the Bible on tape. It's the parable of the talents. To one was given five, to another two, to another one, each according to their ability. The guy with five went and trained and produced five more. The guy with two went and produced two more. The guy with one buried in the ground. And when the master came, he said, I was afraid. And so I just, I hit eject. I hit it. I hit eject. No one else was in the car. I thought, right, I'm going to have it out with God. I said, God! Oh my, I said, this is me. I'm the one talent guy. I said, it's not fair. The guy I met yesterday, five talent guy. He's the son of Auckland's biggest developer. His dad probably gives him an account, probably put even seeded some money in there so he can look at a, an $850,000 property he's going to buy just to knock down. And then he's probably got finance income stream so he can fund another 800,000 to fit it out where if he sold it at the bottom price three and a half million he can pay back the 1.65 if he had to borrow the whole lot and now he's got 1.85 left he's a multi-millionaire straight away and here am I on $18,000 a year and you're 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 about to diss me because I'm not investing because I can't if, if I if lose that money I, I'm afraid if I try to invest something then how am I going to feed my, 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 my family how am I going to put food on the table how am I going I'm the one talent and I thought God you know being encouraging <laughs> would disagree and he goes you're right you're the one talent man I'm like what don't no like and he said, but you don't have to do what the one talent man did. He said, if the one talent man just went to the two talent and the five talent and said, hey, listen, guys, can you tell me where you're investing? He said, you're right, Jürgen. Your dad did disown you when you went to Bible college. You're right. You started with nothing. And right now you're paid nothing. But if you live in fear and if you bury, you will stay where you are. So he said all that he had to do was do the same investment. Five became ten, two became four, one becomes two. Now all of a sudden you're the two talent guy. And God says there's, there's no law that says you can't now do it a second time. Now you go from two to four and then do it again. Now you go from four to eight from 8 to 16 God said it's not about what you don't have it's about what you don't invest what you don't engage in he says faith is always taking steps forward it was incredible we sold our first house 
a year, about 18 months later, we bought it for 108,000, like I told you. We did maybe five or 6,000. I mean, every time I'd go for a surf, I would borrow rocks from the, um, the Waikato. They had beautiful sandstone rocks. One time I got a little bit zealous and I, and I almost wrecked all the um, shock absorbers in the back of my car because, but man, I had the best, I had the best. People would come and look at my landscaping, my front yard, go, man, where did you get the rocks? I borrowed them. <laughs> oh, my father gave them to me. He owns the whole world. And so anyway, so we ended up selling it for, for $238,000, almost doubled our money. And so then, then there was a, a, a builder's closeout deal. There was three, three lots of land left in a really nice estate. So we bought one, they were 85, we got it for 60. And then we, we, we built a home. And I think all up we're into it about 180, maybe 185,000. But we sold that one three years later for 380,000. Then we took that money to, to Sydney and we bought a, a, a lot of land there for 330,000. And then we spent about another 160 on, on building a really nice two-story, four bedroom plus office uh, home. And we sold that one for 950,000. See, I had an excuse, well, you don't understand how difficult it is and I don't have enough. But as soon as God dealt with me, he said, Jürgen, the issue is your mind sight. You, fear paralyzes the mind. Faith sees opportunity. Faith sees venture. Come on, let's stand to our feet. I'm over time. Come on, lift your hands high to heaven. Say these words out loud. Say, Heavenly Father, I ask you today to change my mind sight. Help me to see me the way you see me. Help me to see my life through your eyes. I declare today I am a child of the Most High God. God's hand is upon me. His favor is towards me. I reject the spirit of the world. I receive the spirit of Christ. I declare in Jesus' name, breakthrough is my portion. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.